Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the award-winning movie, Poor Things, starring Emma Stone, Mark Ruffalo, and Willem Dafoe. Check out the new documentary, Freaknik, The Wildest Party Never Told, about the iconic Atlanta street party. And don't miss FX's Shogun, a reimagining of the epic tale starring Anna Sawai. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Welcome to Lady Audacity. It's Alex. And I'm Meredith. And just a quick show note, Alex has dyslexia. So in the words of Luanne Deliceps, be cool. Don't be all uncool about it. And today we are jumping right into it. We have a very special guest who I truly cannot believe is here. I am so glad that I took my anxiety meds before this. It was it was much needed. <laughs> she is a culture critic and royal watcher who's hosted a dozen hit podcasts. Trust me, you have heard her on NPR. The, the voice is perfect, pitch perfect. You have heard this voice before in your earbuds. Her newest podcast, The Daily Fail, is a weekly podcast about the world's worst daily paper, which shall not be named like Voldemort. Welcome, Kristen <laughs> Einzer oh, to the podcast. My Gosh, I am so pumped to be here. Meredith, thank you for the beautiful introduction. Alex, so excited to meet both of you. I, I cannot thank you enough for having me on as a guest. I love your show. Oh my gosh, thank, thank you. Thank we you. love your show. I binged it last week. Oh my it gosh, was so thank good. You. Thank I, you. I have fallen, I have fallen down the Kristen, um, definitely the Kristen rabbit hole, um, because it really is like, you, if you don't think you yes. know Kristen, I promise you, you know Kristen. And I actually, I, I have something to admit. Mm. I didn't realize till last night, I have talked about you on my TikTok. <gasps> Stop it. You mm-hmm. did? I love your TikTok. You, what? Oh my gosh, thank you. Do you want to hear what happened? Because <laughs> I, I literally, it blew my mind. It was like, I was sitting next to my toddler typing and I just did that, you know, like a cartoon <laughs> character. So what happened was... I decided to do a video reading Tom Bauer for filth because he doesn't have great, you know, he doesn't have very accurate reporting. Oh, not at all. Maybe no. a nice, <laughs> nice way to put it. It's um, given burn I, book. 
it's giving burn book. So I happened to do a video on, I think it was after he made some really heinous comments about Doria. And it was clearly, a, I think, a way to kind of promote the book again, revenge. And I happened to do a video about what he got wrong in that book. And I didn't realize that I actually quoted you and what he got wrong about you in his book, <laughs> Revenge. So I was like, oh, I, I have known Kristen. What was, okay, so what was that like? Oh my gosh. You know who alerted me to it was... Uh, Ellie Hall, who used to be the writer for BuzzFeed, yes. she reached out to me. She's like, did you see that Bowers wrote this about you? He misgendered you. He calls you a friend of Megan's. And there are a lot of people, I'm sure that both of you, Meredith and Alex, know this. Once you start covering Megan and Harry in any capacity, there are haters and conspiracy theorists who will take anything that you have done in your life and somehow connect the dots, the non-existing dots, and say, yes, this is mm -hmm. proof that you are in their camp, you are a paid agent for them in some way or another. <laughs> always <laughs> on the payroll. Always yes. on the payroll. Always, on the, always payroll. on the payroll. And so there are rumors out there that I work for them. There are rumors that um, because a company I worked for many, many years ago for a few months employed Sunshine Sachs, this is not me. This is a company I worked for six years ago. Because of that, I am obviously in Harry and Meghan's pocket because they also had Sunshine Sacks as their reps at one point That's for PR. Hilarious. Um, and, and so, yeah, in this particular case, in this book, uh, they misgendered me. They said I was friends with Harry and Meghan. They, you know, it was just a couple inaccuracies that were so dumb that. Yeah. They're so easy to prove wrong. I, I thought, why did you even include this in here when it's so obviously not true and so obviously able to be proven wrong? I don't yeah. understand the, the just because like someone like Tom Bauer, like Bowers with his book Revenge, it's like, is there no fact checker? I mean, <laughs> is there no editor, though? Like no one read this and was like, hey, are you entirely sure about what you're saying here? Just even just down to the pronouns. All you have yes. to do is look at your Twitter Mm -hmm. <laughs> to see your pronouns. Has Tom, has has anyone ever reached out to you about it and been like, oh, we were wrong? Has there ever been like a correction issue? No, but there were a number of other articles written where it, you know, brought up some some things like like me being misgendered and so on. There were definitely articles written where it's like, hold on, how accurate is this book? Here are people who are oh, quoted good. in the book who never gave quotes to the book. Here are people who uh, he's bringing into the storyline who are being, in my case, misgendered or described the wrong way. So I, I'm not the only one this happened to. This happened to a lot of people. Ugh. Yeah. I, <laughs> it just really blows. Is it, is it weird when you become part of the story? It's really odd. And it's especially odd because, again, I think both of you know this now that you are you know covering the royals in earnest, and Alex in particular as a woman of color, I'm sure you know the particular kind of hate that women yeah. of color on the internet already receive. Um, mm -hmm. I'm a woman of color on the internet, and God forbid I say anything, but especially say anything about Megan or Harry. People who call me a stan for them aren't really paying attention. <laughs> yeah. I'm just, I'm just like, no, I'm not their friend. I'm not their stan. What I am is somebody yes. who is an anti-racist royal watcher, and there's a lot of racism structurally within this system within the media that covers them and 
there's a lot of misogyny. And all of this stuff is why I started my podcast, The Daily Fail, actually. I, I didn't set out yeah. to have a media literacy podcast. But what happened was over and over and over again, so much of my royal watching for the past decade has involved all this misinformation, all of the stuff that maybe is true, but framed in a totally racist or sexist manner. And yeah. so I, I just thought, somebody needs to laugh at this, dissect it, do comedy as media literacy or media literacy as comedy or something where we can not just shake our fists at the sky, but maybe have a good belly, belly laugh about it too. So that's why I started The Daily Fail, because of all of this stuff, because of Bowers and other people like him. And I think it's interesting because, I mean, that's how I was introduced to you. For one, when I, Megan came into the scene, I was desperate to look for journalists who were willing to talk about Megan and Harry openly and honestly like you were. And not just with this, like, either they need to be saints and she's going to solve racism by marrying into this family. Or she's evil and the devil and she's going to ruin everything. And it's like, can we get something that's just, like, intelligent? And from a person of color, because let's be real, most of the royal beat is obviously white and most of the royal commentators are white. And I think when Megan stepped in, just a lot was falling through the cracks because of that. So I was so glad, so glad to find like your Twitter and everything like that. And I did want to ask like how it felt for you, because I feel like at the time you were like literally one, I want to say one of the few, but I feel like the only person of color that was out there and actively talking about the issues and the microaggressions, not just like the blunt racism, but microaggressions that were going on, how that felt for you? Like, was it even among your peers sometimes hard to stress to them? Like, you guys, you're kind of feeding into it, even though I know you don't mean to. Like, Yeah, I mean, very like deliberately, that. Um, my first podcast about Meghan and Harry was called When Meghan Met Harry, a royal wedding cast. Oh, yeah, that's brilliant. <laughs> it, it launched uh, shortly after they were engaged, and it wrapped up with my co-host James and I attending their wedding. And so it was oh, just that. a six-month podcast. And we loved it. And we were so excited. The world was so hopeful. There was a belief amongst many of us that she was the greatest thing that happened to this family. This was potentially mm -hmm. a way to modernize, to speak more to the Commonwealth. The majority of the people yes. in the Commonwealth have melanin. They look a little bit more like Megan. I mean, she's a movie star. We don't look like her, but you know what I'm saying. <laughs> um, even when I have the best makeup and hair, I, I am not going to be one iota as beautiful as Megan. But there was a lot of hope in the world. And uh, I, I just, I was one of those people. I, I won't say I was a stan, but I was very excited for what this could mean for the world. And then to so quickly see things just go downhill. The, the, the racism that was then defended as, oh, that's not racism. You're just reading too much into this. When we said straight out of Compton, you know, Beverly Hills isn't that far from Compton if you look at a map. And it's like, <laughs> well, actually it is. And my God. The misunderstanding <laughs> of how big California is is a is a big yes. point of contention with the UK media for me. Yes. Oh well when everyone's like they're moving to Santa Barbara. I thought they wanted to get away from the paparazzi. I'm like, you guys, you guys even LA, I'm like, you can hide in LA depending on where you are. You yes. don't quite get it. Yes, <laughs> like, yes. And so I very big counties. Yeah. And so when I was hosting that podcast, when Megan met Harry, James Barr, we deliberately, when we put this podcast together, said, we want this to not be 
male, pale, and stale, which is historically yep. what commentators have been. So um, James, he is male, but he's also queer. And we also mm-hmm. wanted both of us to reflect uh, modern podcast listeners, modern people. Most people um, on this planet are not cousins who are old and white and rich and married each other. We don't want to have a podcast it. hosted like that. <laughs> yes. um, and and so, yeah, we and we also just thought it would be great if in a way my co-host was a uh, ginger because Harry's a ginger and we wanted yeah. a woman of color who was American here in the States because, um, you know, we wanted a Brit, we wanted an American. Originally, we tried to get a black female host and then in the end, she wasn't able to take the job and we wanted her so badly. And then my higher ups are like, we got to launch this show. What's going to happen? We need to record today. Yeah. And, I, and so I'm like, I'll step in. I'll do it. That's awesome. <laughs> and wow. so I was very happy to do it. And I'm so glad I did because I've yeah. now been in dozens of documentaries, news hits, hundreds of radio mm-hmm. programs and podcasts. And more often than not, um, not every time, but more often than not, I'm the only woman of color who is not, no offense to older people, but is not, you know, twice my age. Exactly. It is so important. And also, I love just being able to hear so that excitement from a woman of color too around it. Like we don't always have to be talking about the negativity of racism, but yeah, we also were allowed to and should be able to participate in the joy that was happening in that yes. beginning and that like hope, Absolutely. even if it's crushing how quickly it came down. I will never forget the faces of the royals while the reverend was preaching and going, oh. Oh man, <laughs> you know, like even during the wedding, it was like, oh no, I don't think it's what we thought, guys. There's little things popping up already, just facial expressions, and I'm like, oh, oh no, oh goodness, <laughs> this oh might not be my, good. <laughs> that gospel yeah, choir literally. singing and the close-ups of everybody who was sitting in that church. Oh boy, yeah, all of that. So, Kristen, it was I'd a love, lot. I'd love to know from you, Kristen. Like, where do you think the point is that things change? for Megan in particular not that ever not that the coverage was was you know anti-racist beforehand to be clear but when do you think like this obvious you know kind of negative downward spiral happened and and why like what do you think was there a catalyst for that it happened almost immediately after the regs found out that Harry and Megan were dating um it wasn't long after that that we had our straight out of Compton headlines it wasn't long yeah. after that that a certain journalist had a, I hate saying this word, I'm just going to say it because I have to, had a niggling feeling about mm. Meghan Markle, and that was mm. the headline. It wasn't long after that that we had stories connecting Meghan to jihadists. Um, all of this is before they ever got married. This is before yeah. that. So it did not take long. And Doria was being stalked by the paparazzi. Meghan was. Uh, there needed to be you know, security on a whole other level because of how yes. bad this was. So, um, and, and then also Harry spoke out on the record and mm-hmm. no other Royal had ever done that before with a girlfriend. This is before they even announced their engagement. This is how bad the harassment yeah. was. And so it, it was, it was legitimately a problem. It was legitimately real. This is not something where I, I know a lot of folks out there say, oh, they're so overly sensitive. Megan and Harry just love to complain. And it's like, mm. this was not a minor complaint. These are things that were yeah. coming at them from all sides, this kind of misogyny, this kind of racism. And a lot of it was not microaggressions. It was macroaggressions. We're talking yes. giant aggressions. 
and I think that's interesting too because I think that was kind of well obviously it was a green flag for Harry to do his statement I also felt like it was a red flag in the fact obviously no one supported him almost immediately it was coming out from sources that supposedly people on the inside were not supportive of this statement but even more so that Megan was never allowed to say the word race or racism it wasn't until she left the royal fa- I mean it wasn't until the South Africa tour she said I'm a woman of color like in the interview we saw she shied away from it mind you we now know in the Harry and Megan documentary they say like that whole entire thing was scripted but I always found that interesting it was like she was not allowed to talk about the racism and, and the race issue it was only her white man and I was like ooh, this yeah. isn't good and that also reflects us as as a society because I think everyone knew, including Megan, no one wanted to hear a woman of color complain about racism. Yeah. Only the white man can, because he's going to save her. You know yeah. what I mean? Like that saviorship comes in, which I feel like is a good time to maybe talk about too, William and his recent white saviorship that's going Oof. on with him. <laughs> oh, are you talking and, about, are you getting into our topics early, girlfriend? <laughs> you jumping in? I didn't mean to, but like, you honestly, always like to the article- the article i pulled actually i had to take it back again i had to go back to 2018 when we had how about this what if we transition into our bananas articles because no it's funny we have like a little subsection of our podcast that is very very much like tangentially related to the daily fail which is kind of perfect i love that yeah it makes me yes. really happy. So this is our bananas portion, <laughs> which is kind of perfect. So Alex, why don't you go after Kristen? You go first. Uh, ladies yes. first. No, that doesn't make sense. Um, guests first. <laughs> um, <laughs> and then Alex, go into yours, and then we'll also save some conversation for farther down because oh, we are talking. We are talking about William no, and, we... his, and his oh, homelessness yeah. uh, project. Yes, we are definitely going to get into that. Too. So Kristen, what is your bananas articles that you are bringing to the table all right I just have to say first of all it is always hard to choose just one because there are so many <laughs> bananas articles about these people they, there. Just, <laughs> so there's always so much many. going on <laughs> so even when nothing is going on when these people are doing absolutely nothing and not leaving their castles there are just so many articles to choose Kristen, from. there are polka dots we can talk about and how polka dots have changed on kate from big to small you can write, I'm like, that's a section <laughs> yes thousand words on that yes and, and camilla likes ice cream i mean there's so much to talk about that was my favorite <laughs> article i lost my mind i love when the royal beat you can tell they're just sick of it they're like she wore polka dot she looked beautiful festive glances were given it was a great visit they stayed for 30 minutes bye the the article i decided to bring in for y'all today is one that we actually just talked about on our most recent episode of the daily fail because it's just bananas in so many different ways it's essentially a hit list of all the reasons this particular rag hates Meghan Markle. And so here's the headline. A subtle swipe at Meghan? Camilla raises eyebrows after wearing a Dior ensemble to the first day of Ascot after the brand denied rumors of collaboration with the Duchess of Sussex. So this article is so hilarious to me because it's a million different, like, things that they're trying to kind of make cohesive and fit into one article and none of these things belong together and so just reading this article is it 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 gives you whiplash because it's like hold on weren't you just talking about this what's going on here so here's the deal camilla went to royal ascot she wore dior okay that's this that's what launched this whole thing but but as royal watchers know megan and harry 
were rumored to maybe possibly be considering working as spokesmodels for Dior. And the proof of that was a movie still from 10 years ago from a film that Megan was in, in which she played a model who held a bottle of perfume at one point in that movie. And so Megan and Harry's camp, as well as Dior, uh, both of them had, quote, insiders who said, no, this Dior thing was never going to happen. Um, th- this isn't true. Um, again, it wasn't Dior officially. It wasn't Megan and Harry officially. It was insiders from both of their camps who denied this. But there was nothing to actually deny because it was a rumor that came from who knows where because Megan appeared in a movie 10 years ago holding a perfume bottle. I did not know the perfume <laughs> bottle thing. I, I'm literally, I'm, I'm, I'm rarely speechless, but that one has... <laughs> That one has got me in my feelings. <laughs> I just, it's also, I mean, it's how they're able to stir up this rumor. And like, are they, because I remember seeing this on Twitter and seeing, I guess, a bunch of stands were like tweeting Dior and like, don't you dare sign her. And then <laughs> they're like, oh, no one's like, this isn't a thing. And it's like, see, they weren't going to sign her because they know better than to sign Megan. She's horrible and it's going to ruin their brand. It's kind of like. You created a story here. And the Daily Mail's right there like, hey, guys, let me let me blast this. Let me blast this. Yes. Let me pick up all like your everyone, tweets. Like, everyone was reporting on it. Like, everybody was. But then, but, but then, of course, this article doesn't stop there with the Dior stuff. It then just turns into a long list of everything that this publication thinks Megan has done wrong in life. All of her, quote, unquote, failed deals uh, with... Uh, Spotify and Netflix also wants to drop her now, which by the way, there's no proof of that. And just one thing after another of how Megan is terrible. And by the way, Camilla tried to take Megan under her wing at some point <laughs> and show her how to be a proper princess and present well to the public. And Megan denied uh, that extension for help. She said, no, that's okay. I don't need that. And I, I mean, there's just so much thrown into the story. Who knows what is real? Who knows what is not? There's a lot of sources say in quotes here. And then um, the thing that I find most believable, though, about all of this is it is possible that Camilla did try to give some pointers to Megan about her image. And it's totally possible that Megan thought, your image is in the toilet. Why would I take pointers from you? (laughs) I mean, I'm not saying she said that out loud to her, but I could see it crossing her mind if somebody who has the worst image in the family other than Prince Andrew is trying to give you advice (laughs) on how to have a good public image, that maybe you nod and smile and then you just leave it there. Or like you have a horrible public image despite the fact you have thrown your stepsons under the bus to try to get a better image and to connect with the media head so you can have a better image and you're still sitting here. Like, I'm good, boo-boo. I am and good. I, <laughs> did, I did very nerdy research into Camilla Parker Bowles image rehab, which Alex, I am going to show you my mind map at some point. I showed oh, Christian I the beginning wait. of it it's because so I had good. to, because this is what my <laughs> brain does. Um, and Honestly, with Camilla, it, it really seems like she just ingratiated her with the media and they knew they could get stuff from her. And so she created yeah. a relationship, but she didn't really she didn't really rehab her image with the actual public is really what it seems to be. Also, can you, can you imagine Megan being like, I'm not taking advice from the patron saint of scheming whores. Like, I am not. <laughs> That's that. I made a T-shirt about that. Like... And I, don't, I do not say that with hate. I say that with a, a little bit of awe because, I mean, she, she genuinely, like she genuinely, it's kind of like 
Whoa, okay. I mean, her and Queen Elizabeth have more in common than people want to admit, okay? <laughs> Maybe Queen Elizabeth wasn't screwing someone else's man. Who knows? Um, but that woman could scheme. I what I also heard, so someone came up with an interesting, because of course now it was like, okay, why would Camilla wear Dior? Which like, maybe she just wears Dior. But also someone brought up, and I, I don't know if this is true, but perhaps, remember when they were supposed to go on that visit to France? And then it was, it was oh, um, yes. canceled because of protesters. I wonder if she was supposed to wear that Dior yeah, in that France. Made and sense. maybe it was just reused for this event although Which not tailored smart. very well not tailored very no, well it we was good talk. for her it was good for her though that's what makes me sad although her last day look i think was about with a little boat neck and everything it was given a moment there i was kind of proud of her sophie though for ascot she that pink that uh, pink she wore on the last day pink. beautiful those cur i was so proud of her i was so proud of her <laughs> you go girl sometimes she's so off and then she's so on it's so good <laughs> Alex, what is your Bananas article for the week? So we are going back to 2018 when our favorite egg-shaped egg white man <laughs> told us that he was going to bring peace to the Middle East. Did he say that? I didn't call him the thumb. I didn't call him the thumb, okay? So I'm being very nice right now. The mirror. We have the mirror. This is July 1st, 2018. Exclusive. Okay. Prince William's pledge after Israel and Palestine visit. Middle East peace will be my lifelong mission. And that's in quotes. This is in quotes from him. Um, the Duke of Cambridge, 36, has made it his mission to campaign, campaign for a, in quotes, just and lasting peace. This is by Russell Myers, by the way, who we all know has his connects. And mind you, can I just say if this was 2023, he would be saying that he's going to do lifelong systemic change and sustainable, tangible peace that's what the wording would be right now if this was 2023 by the way i'm just saying it's funny to see the updating that's happening with their well buzzwords. alex alex mission accomplished i mean the middle east is just peacing right now <laughs> yeah he did it he did it guys job's over so <laughs> it's over it's done with this white man is amazing this week the duke of cambridge became the first royal to ever ever to travel on official business to Israel and occupied Palestine territories. And mind you, this was coming at the time to Trump ugh, was our president and had pretty much said that Israel controlled both nations. And then William kind of comes in a couple weeks later, which I do think shows where royals can have that very diplomatic importance. They can kind of even go over to American politicians, like mess up and be like, wait guys, let's not fight about this. Everyone let's, let me give love to everyone, you know? So in this, exactly, like it shows where they can have their moment. I'll give them that. So now the 36-year-old father of three was so moved by the stories of those he met, especially the suffering endured by youngsters. He even personally rewrote half an official speech to reflect his own feelings. Now the former military pilot has made it his mission to, to campaign for a just and lasting peace. A highly placed palace source told the Sunday Mirror that the Duke is determined to solve the region's long simmering, simmering mutual hostility, a problem which has stumped, <laughs> stumped a series of world leaders. As someone said in my DMs, like, boy, worry about your own home. <laughs> it's, so true. it's so true. I'm like, why do we do this? Like, you, we're so obsessed, like, in Western nations with trying to solve these, like, conflicts in these you know usually middle eastern brown nations and it's like have we looked in our own backyards like 
<laughs> but also, he's got plenty of brown nations in the Commonwealth. If he wants to focus on brown people, there are plenty right there to choose from. So many. That so many. need the help. And yes. I mean, the funding. The yes. funding. I think that's what drives me crazy about the Commonwealth. I'm like, it's modern colonization and people don't want to admit that and it's like so i'm going to go to the middle east and i'm going to say i'm going to fix your problems knowing damn well i do not have the resources and even if i do have the political connect connections no one's going to listen to me like, what are you going to do raise awareness yeah because this whole this whole article is just how the sources are saying he's going to end homelessness but he won't get political you know what i mean like okay there's this part as the trip ended, he told them, this is the start of something new. I will forever honor my commitment to the people I have met. Did he quote High School Musical? <laughs> I'm just kidding. Is this our Troy Bolton? Oh I my God. I think I like okay, William. So maybe. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, insider revealed, oh, sorry. insider revealed the politicians who affect this youngster generation's lives may only be in office for 5, 10, or 20 years. But William knows his duty is for life. This... Mm. <laughs> it's kind of like the thing they're doing right now with the homeless project they're like see this is what's great about royals they're above politics they make it a human issue and it's like no 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 no. like human like that's cute and all and like there's that aspect to it but it's like no this is absolutely a government issue though this cannot be above politics but but also the last sentence you read there he you know royals aren't just in it for five ten or twenty years if I'm not mistaken, William just announced that his new initiative with homelessness is exactly five years. So yeah. what? <laughs> and and also, when do they draw the line between what is political and what is not political? Like, exactly. Um, I would say that racism and misogyny are human rights issues, not political issues. And yet the palace has mostly felt differently about that. You know, yes. um, that's a human rights issue in my mind. Environmentalism is a yes. queer uh queer rights and so sometimes they're like yeah that's fine William you, you can talk about gay people this time uh William you can talk about racism if it's about soccer um I'm sorry yes. football <laughs> to to our international Ball. listeners uh but but when is in that case it was okay because it was about sport versus if it's actually about Megan. members of his own family or exactly it, yeah it really seems to depend on the royal as well because if you remember charles's black spider memos mm. where you know it was like this this is political but to charles it was Very. issues that he should be involved in and he should be writing up tony blair and getting in with everyone and telling them what he would like to see done it's it seems to really change dependent on who the royal is but i feel like we've just set the bar maybe a maybe a tad too high for william also solving middle east peace is giving we're gonna bring democracy to iraq like it's giving <laughs> yes <laughs> like who asked you like who asked you boo boo like no one asked you no one asked for your bald-headed head to come over here and say that i'm going to bring peace with all with all of my pr <laughs> like, what is he gonna do i'm gonna influence the world to be peaceful guys because i have that influence like you're not alex earl you are not harry styles like boo boo it's not going to happen you're not kate middleton okay? do you guys do you guys remember when during the pandemic when the beginnings of the pandemic when all the celebrities saying imagine and it was like supposed oh. to like heal us and make us feel better and, and was, we all just, just scratched our eyes out because we didn't want to watch this video like for it more was... than three three seconds in, we all were like, okay. help me, this is terrible. 
like this this actually didn't help <laughs> i have a confession i have a con- uh-oh, confession uh-oh. my worst Were you, fear you saying my you worst saying fear <laughs> my worst fear actually is that megan would have sang in it if she wasn't hiding out that's my fear you guys do you think i don't know i don't know i feel like megan <laughs> she does write right on, on bananas line. she writes on she... bananas to sex worker so i don't know she might have sang in that i'm sorry she I, might have. I say this with love too but i feel like she's right on that line of where she'd be like you know people just like need something happy for a moment they need to see we're like gonna support them but also i guess you're like you guys are dumbasses. Like, are you going to give anyone money or something? I don't know. She's in between sometimes. She's in between for me. I'm like, I don't know, Megan. I think you would have gave him 10 seconds. I think you would have gave What's her name did? Sarah from um, American Horror Story. What's that actor's name? Sarah Paulson. I would not yeah, have expected her to be in yeah, that. You would she think was she would be it. above that. Yeah. I had blocked that out. I had blocked that out. No. Gal Gadot I was not surprised by. She was in it. But yeah. <laughs> yes. I was so shocked. I was like, dang. They got and Priyanka was a part of that. And Megan's war at least was good friends with her. And I'm saying she has that type of corniness in her. But yeah, that's my confession. That's think, my confession. I think <laughs> the only thing that was worse was when Anna Lynn McCord did that. Oh Dear Putin, god. if I was your mother. Oh my god. <laughs> completely serious. Completely serious the whole time. I will never get over that. And the what fact that she wasn't acting. Alive. I'm what like, girl, I saw you in 90210, okay? Like, I didn't know you had these acting skills. And then I was like, oh, my God, no, she's serious. Okay, she doesn't have those acting skills now. <laughs> Something should be saved for the diary. So I I will very quickly do my Bananas articles. It's it's actually more yes. of a comparison, okay? It's um, it's it's giving the call is coming from with, within the house, okay? So this is from The Express. So on Saturday... June 24th, it was reported, royal family, King Charles keen to heal family rift with Prince Harry and Meghan. Now, we have been keen to heal for months now. I feel like I'm on the Truman Show. I feel like this is never ending. (laughs) I don't know what's going on. And then the next day, there's been a big breakthrough on Sunday, June 25th. Prince Harry, William, and King Charles reach stalemate over reconciling relationship. So you are telling me the day before... King Charles was keen to heal the rift. And less than 24 hours later, we have reached a stalemate. What changed? Are they just, Kristen, are they, are they A-B testing headlines? Like what is going on here? Yeah, right. That's it too. I feel like sometimes it's going on. I sometimes think that also because in the same publication, they'll have a story that completely contradicts another story. For example, on the Daily Fail, we recently talked about an article about a woman who miraculously managed to lose half her body weight because she ate 415 calories of prepared foods a day. And then there was another article that ran in the same issue from a doctor saying prepared foods are not healthy for you. So which is it? Are we supposed to not eat prepared foods or are we supposed to eat them and lose weight while we eat as much as a newborn? Like, what are we supposed to do? It's just like... Yeah. So it's I also I, feel like someone's like playing Switzerland too, you know, a little yeah. bit for everyone. <laughs> yeah. But as far as the Charles and being keen with his sons, we know he's not keen. If he was keen, we would have seen different things happening by now. We would have seen Harry sitting closer to the front row on Coronation Day. We yeah. would have we would have seen Charles going to the christening of his granddaughter. You know, there, there are things we would have seen if he was truly keen 
on also you don't go to this. transylvania you don't go to transylvania when your son is in town <laughs> literally he went and played dracula like he was count chocula over there <laughs> while his son is in. like you had to go to transylvania Wait. just this time when harry's in town come on yeah and i think too like the baby shower thing with little bit like i'm just like get some good people around you that would have been such a moment for charles walk up in there with like a linen white button up okay like get your obama on with that relaxed style because like i don't okay my little charles stan is coming out the man has swag the king of england walking up in california (laughs) you know what i mean with like his linen button up looking fresh his little gold rings these guys be kissing dilly and everything i'm like you guys had such a moment to not only be like i'm cool with him even if we can't work together i'm cool with him i'm gonna get past this to be with my granddaughter and like look cool and worldly for a moment you know what i mean like give yourself that moment you want to be in tune with gen z you got to give them a moment they can make on tiktok (laughs) so they can laugh with you and at you okay and it's like charles you just get laughed at all the time they are not helping you it though he gets mad at pens and yells at the pens that's so true true. he doesn't he just doesn't know how to play the game he doesn't know how to look good on camera he doesn't know how to say the right thing i mean all the way back to him saying during his engagement interview oh, yeah. with Princess Di, <laughs> are you truly in love? And his answer is like, whatever love is. Whatever love is. Whatever love is. Like, he's really bad at this. And that's he's one so of the bad. only jobs you have as a royal. You are essentially the PR agency for what Britishness means. Imagery. And it's his, imagery. His, yeah. And his sexy talk is tampons. I mean, the man <laughs> doesn't have a lot of cool. Yeah. You just oh, you would think that he would have this down though because that's his only job come on literally that's your one job. And like, is this where william gets it from i'm like your one job is to look like you like your wife and you will be shrugging her away <laughs> i'm just kind of like sir kate is out here working okay she's giving the cameras moment and william will make him so mad because he just like doesn't do anything i'm like you're so dead weight and you're the future king i know if i was kate i'd be like Oh my gosh. <laughs> just I like a poor man along. I literally, like, thank God they, you know, they had me marry your ass. <laughs> I make you look good. <laughs> These banana articles have been sensational. Love what you brought to the table, Kristen. Let's, if you guys want, not that we have a choice, this is what we're doing, but I thought I'd make it sound like we have a choice. <laughs> Let's get into our topics. We have two today. So, The first one we want to start with is we want to talk a little bit more. Last week during our Meghan Markle episodes, part one, we did talk about the Spotify deal and and parting of ways and how it was covered in the media. But since then, there's definitely been more conversation. And and I think in some ways, uh, a hopping on by the British media of this narrative that they've spun that Meghan is failing and eventually everything is going to come crashing down on them and that they are uh, you know, they can't have this like Megxit sheen forever. Their popularity is yeah. plummeting. And I think there is there is a part of that going on with some of the recent talk about their deals. I also think, though, there 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 is some actual objective criticism that we could have looking at how they pivot and how they what they do next. I think we can have a discussion on that. Um and I would love, Kristen, just to to hear your thoughts on everything that's, especially as someone who is a podcaster in that space, give your thoughts on Spotify and then just also just the conversation around Netflix and, and everything else that's swirling around Harry and Meghan. 
Yeah. Well, first and foremost, I just want to say I think that the two of you did such a great measured job of talking about what's happening here with Spotify and how, no, one woman, Meghan Markle, did not sink the entire Spotify ship, (laughs) not by any stretch of the imagination. They, Spotify, in their attempt to pivot from being a music streaming company to the world's largest podcasting company, they made, in my opinion, just a ton of mistakes. Megan is not the only celebrity they threw millions at. They threw hundreds of millions at various celebrities. And most of these celebrities were not podcast hosts. They didn't realize that podcasting was not as simple as just get on a microphone and talk. There's actually structure. There's story. There's editing. There's promotion. There's a whole world of other skill sets that are needed to make a podcast, to put that podcast out into the world. And that is not the same skill set to acquire, license, and then release music. It's a totally different skill set. And so they just threw money at all of these celebrities who couldn't necessarily attract an audience and weren't necessarily good podcast hosts. On top of that, in order to build up their machine, Spotify started acquiring other companies like Gimlet for $340 million and Megaphone for $235 million. They spent over a billion dollars just to acquire all of these other companies and then for the most part didn't know how to maintain these companies. Some of these companies weren't even solvent in the first place. Like Gimlet admitted on one of their own podcasts, we can't keep this company going unless we're acquired. They only existed to be acquired. Mm. So you're acquiring a company that hemorrhages money and you're paying $340 million to acquire this company that hemorrhages money? Really? Um, And so they made a lot of bad business decisions. The celebrities, I would say, make up half of that. And then acquiring these other podcast companies, in my opinion, made up the other half of their issues. And once things started going south, you can't just keep throwing money around and presume that everything you throw money at is going to bring in a profit. The vast majority of what they threw money at did not bring in a profit because you can't throw billions of dollars at something and assume you'll get a return on that billion or two billion or however millions of dollars. It's just overly ambitious. And sadly, the people who have really suffered have been podcast workers, people like the three of us, people who are actual talent and know how to make shows on a shoestring and people who, you know... (laughs) bring personality and consistency and a release schedule and just basic things that you have to do to have a great podcast guest booking I mean just basic things that we have to do to make our shows are things that they don't have people to do anymore because they laid off so many people and I'm not just talking Spotify a lot of other podcasting companies have made the same mistake Um, I'm not going to name names of all these other podcasting companies because we're talking about Harry and Megan here but this is not just a Spotify thing. This was um, Spotify notably because of Harry and Meghan. But Netflix did a lot of the same stuff. They made a lot of the same mess. And again, it's not just Netflix. I'm mentioning Netflix because that's who Harry and Meghan have their contract with. But all of these streaming companies greenlit shows and then actually told the shows, actually, we're not going to move forward with this even though we green let you. They filmed oh, entire God. seasons of shows and movies. Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at UH1.com. 
Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. ...that they then chose not to release and in instead took the tax write-off for instead. They killed shows, not just for Megan. A lot of people like to talk about Megan's children's show being killed off. Uh, she had a show called Pearl, but hers was not the only children's show that got killed by Netflix. Hers was one of several. And so the idea yeah. that Megan and Harry are constantly blamed for sinking Netflix or sinking streaming more broadly or sinking Spotify or ruining the podcast industry is really giving them way too much credit. It's kind of like what they're doing with Prince William solving the peace issue in the Middle East. It's like you are giving yeah. these people too much credit for something they don't have any control over. So yes. I yes. just wanted to give that context to the entire industry as somebody who's been in the industry for as long as I have. This I am is so not glad we had you on this week. I am so glad we had you on this week. Yeah, no, that is so important. That is so, especially because it sounds like there might be an actor strike too on top of the writer strikes that's yes. going on. And, yes. I, and I feel like people need to realize the writer strike will and frankly should affect Megan and Harry. I like to believe they would not cross the picket line. I don't think they would. So it should affect them. So it's most likely anything new they're trying to bring up is going to get delayed too. And that way I do feel a little bad for Megan and Harry because they're right now caught up in the storm of the industry going through changes. Streaming is great, but it also has shown it is a killer for the little man. They're not getting paid. They're getting nothing. <laughs> like, this is just like a lot going on beyond them. But unfortunately, like we talked about with the first part with Megan, <clears throat> the first episode with Megan is that Megan especially, it's kind of like a Lindsay Lohan or a Britney Spears or the Amber Heard in the heydays of just shitting on them. It's acceptable to people like mm -hmm. it and people pick up on it. And it goes and it goes and it goes. And we know with Wall Street Journal right now, which I think Elizabeth Holmes, she pointed out in her story, it's a really good connection too of that the most recent editor is someone who used to work for the Sunday Times and many high-profile British um, media outlets and is now over at Wall Street Journal. That getting into the Wall Street Journal is, yes. is really good. I stepped into that and it's been a <laughs> yes. fun, fun 48 hours on social media. Um, yeah. Yeah. Let's just say we're not always ready to have conversations about what these people do. And, <laughs> and, and I think what really, and I will admit this kind of threw me. So I, I try to read the articles first before I read the byline. Cause I, I just, I'm trying to read things, even if it's coming from a newspaper, maybe I don't like, I'm trying to read it. And, and I read some stuff and I was like, okay, this is a negative slant, but there are some things in here that aren't like yeah. crazy. Just like we, we really haven't seen what the pivot looks like from Megan and Harry. I, I think it left some stuff out, but then I went back and I realized I know one of the authors and that, oh. yeah, I, yeah. <laughs> And that kind of threw me through a loop because I, and this is not like my best friend. I'm not, but I, I went to college in Boston at Emerson and my, my, one of my college roommates was his best friend was Eric. Who's one of the authors on the piece and great guy, just like lovely. Again, it's been 15 years, but <laughs> really great guy, really passionate about journalism, like has done a, 
presumably good work with environmental journalism and then moved over to writing about and reporting on Hollywood and trends there. So it was kind of, I don't know, it kind of gave me pause because I have this, and I, I did make that clear that I knew this person because it seemed ethical just to say that, but it really kind of threw me through a loop of, oh, now I, now I can put a face and a name and I, you know, how do, it was kind of hard to kind of break through how to feel about the article and almost kind of made me question just maybe is everyone that works for a big media conglomerate under Murdoch, like an evil minion? Like, is that even possible? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, so I, I had some conflicting thoughts, but I'd love Kristen to hear your thoughts on the piece and yeah. you know, the Murdoch of it all. Yeah. So the piece that you speak of is really what is going to happen with Megan and Harry next. Um, now that, they're parting ways with Spotify and um, you know, there's a little bit of doom and gloom in the piece, but also, as I was just saying, it's also just indicative of the media landscape we're in now. And yeah. (laughs) And, and so, you know, they, they do at certain points in the piece acknowledge, yeah, as an aside, you should know the entire media industry is gutted now and over half of us are unemployed. They do kind of yeah. mention that as an aside. Yes. By the way. <laughs> by the way, by the way, that's not the, you know, lead by any no. stretch of the imagination, no. but it's sprinkled in there a little bit. What I think yeah. is, though, that uh, because they don't give a lot of attention to the facts of the media industry. I'm sure a lot of people will read this piece and just think, oh, Megan and Harry, what losers. They can't hold yep. down a job. Yeah. Nobody likes them. And I like to remind people that media is not their only job. Harry is still yes. chief inspiration officer at Better Up. They both have, you know, this amazing agency working on their behalf right now, WME, getting them jobs. I'm sure that each of them probably get paid a million dollars every time they give a speech somewhere. It's not just that they're doing streaming content. They have other revenue streams coming in. And also they both entered into this marriage with a lot of money. You know, Harry has (sighs) an inheritance from his mom. Megan was already a multimillionaire when she met him. And so I think a lot of these articles almost kind of want to paint a picture like, look at these losers. They're on the verge of homelessness, which Prince William will save them if that's true, because that's his initiative now. (laughs) He's got a house. He's got council housing. (laughs) Yeah. But a little social house. Yes. But then on top of that, um, there is the implication in this piece that they don't have anything left to offer now. The only thing Harry and Meghan had to offer was spilling tea on their own family. And I don't think that's true at all. I do think that they could oversee a lot of other great projects that are either tangentially related to who they are as humans or that are related to the causes they care about. I mean, Meghan said on the record last year that there should be room for fun in the stuff they make, you know, rom-coms and so on. And I could totally see Megan and Harry producing like a tongue-in-cheek sort of Cinderella story type of project. And I could see it being hugely successful. I could see something along the lines of Downton Abbey with dollar brides. Lest we forget, Prince Harry's great-great-grandmother was a dollar bride. She was an American from the U.S. who married into the aristocracy. And so I think they could kind of tap into their own history in some ways. I would love a show about the black upper crust in America, either, you know, during the Gilded Age or the present. And I think that could be a lot of fun. I think there's so many ways yes. that Harry and Meghan could go that, again, tangentially relate to themselves or 
to the things they care about. There's Kristen, so much I know you're not, exactly. I know you're not paid by them, but like you should be because these are really good ideas. Exactly. Full disclosure, I, I have been employed as a development tr- producer off and on throughout my life where okay, my yeah, only shows. job was awesome. coming up with ideas for shows. So that tracks. Yes. Oh, <laughs> I love that. That's amazing. I was going to say uh, a big disservice that the article really does is the headline, which again, this is written by an editor. It's not written by them, but the headline doesn't even really make sense. Harry and Meghan produce a Hollywood flop themselves, which actually what's been really successful is them. <laughs> you know yes. what I mean? And yes. and it's kind of like, it's uh, it's unfortunate that this is where headlines go, but because of yeah. algorithms and, and what is going to perform well and get picked up and, and be able to compete on social media, these are the kind of headlines you mean you need, but it's it's really distracting from I think places in the article where maybe you could have a conversation about where they could go next. Like I don't think they have it figured out. And yeah. I but I don't think this is like the end all be all, it's over. And I think one of the things that the article leaves out, which I think is important that you mentioned, is the WME signing mm-hmm. yeah. and what that means for their career and also the other things they have going on outside of Hollywood. Megan steps outside, anything she wears is sold out. Yeah. Yeah. That and I've always, and I've been saying that too with the selling factor. I mean, like, you guys, if Megan, especially Megan, didn't have a selling factor, her clothes wouldn't sell out. When you are only famous for being hated, you can't really sell things. Like you can give other people clicks so they can generate money, but it's hard for you to be able to sell something. And it's obvious Megan can sell something. The girl walks out, things sell out. Like her hiking boots sold out. Mm-hmm. It's like, you guys, like we cannot, even if people like to hate her, they also like to wear what she wears. And even in that, like the Dior deal, I can't see Megan doing like a perfume commercial anytime soon. But I wouldn't be shocked if maybe there was like a deal like, hey, high profile events will dress you for very discounted price or free because we know we're going to get the return. You know, like things like that Mm -hmm. I can see, but I can't see her doing a commercial. Like if there's any Dior deal going on, it's just going to be like, hey, wear me at major events. Like I'm imagining the Charlize Theron, like gold is cold. And it's like like, (laughs) throwing her jewels. And then it would be like, Megan throws Princess Diana's watch on the floor in Dior commercial. She's gone Hollywood. I told you guys this is what she always wanted to do. She wanted to sell Dior perfume. That's why she married Harry. Like, this was that the would be the title. Plan. This was the plan. Selling Dior. <laughs> like, exactly. But, well, thank you for saying that because it is sad, like, the combat. Because I get why people don't trust in a way, um, Wall Street Journal, because it's Murdoch owned and obviously Harry with the Murdochs right now. But it also is so sad, though, at the state of our media that we do have to think like that, you know, because there is a reason. I am taking this into effect. Like the reason why Wall Street Journal probably keeps seeking out these stories. And I wonder if it was a coincidence that this story came out a few days later. And then, like, the Bloomberg one came out the day after. I think it was Variety got the scoop. And saying that actually Megan and Harry did offer a lot of deals, but they just kept getting shut down. That was the issue. Mm-hmm. And the next day we had the Bloomberg saying he wanted to interview Trump and Putin. And then we got Wall Street Journal three days later. And I'm yeah. sorry, I'm going to say this now with the Bloomberg one. I absolutely believe that Harry can be out of touch and just maybe he thought he can get the Pope on the podcast. <laughs> Well, yes. He, I, why would he be in touch with the rest of our world? He doesn't even have a last name. He grew up in castles, you know? The idea that he would be exactly. totally, like, on the ground and know what real people go through all the time. Of course but he doesn't. Like, would it actually try to contact these people, what that would be like? Like, come on now, honey. <laughs> but 
I will say the sorry. Trump and Putin one. Sorry, the Trump and Putin one though, I have a hard time with, only because Trump, like he's been beefing with that man for years because he talked horrible things about his mother and then his wife. I have a hard time that. Harry wanted to sit down with Trump and give him this like empathetic, you know, point of view and not just like cuss him out. And then also the Putin thing I have a problem with, because even before the Ukraine war started, the vet community hasn't had a great relationship with Putin. They don't see him as a great guy. He's also so anti-LGBTQ. Megan and Harry, while they were working royals, did events with the LGBTQ plus and talking about, you know, doing more advocacy for them. So again, it's just like, I feel like, again, Harry may not be the brightest one, but he's still a little bright. <laughs> I just can't see him being like, Putin. They want me to interview Putin, guys. <laughs> you know, or Trump in 2020. <laughs> like, what I can't stop thinking about is, and I wish someone would write about this or talk about this. This is really the first time that Harry's been able to plot his own course. And I feel like that's yes. not something that we really discuss. Someone trying to figure out what they want to do way past when a lot of people have been able to think about it because his life had Mm -hmm. been charted out for him and you know what i mean and he had limited options even after eaten what is he going to do there was specific options and to now have the opportunity to actually decide do i want to be in front of the camera do i want to be giving speeches do i want to do something behind the scenes do i want to do something completely different i feel like there is a conversation there about d programming from being a royal that would be really interesting to have i know it's like a kid in a candy store i feel like because like i can't imagine because even like again when he you know was younger and it was like hey what are you gonna do you're the spare what are you gonna do it is like you only have a couple options go to the military or you know just be our diplomat guy you know it's like you don't really have that many choices in a very weird way so yeah he has a lot and i think that's touched on the wall street journal article i think um is important that they were kind of also having issues finding topics that related to their brand and what they want their brand to be. And I think it makes sense that these two, especially in the first couple of years and Harry especially are trying to clamor what their brand is and kind of maybe putting their hands in too many places at once. You know what I mean? Like I wanted this, I want misinformation, but I also want, you know, racism and then misogyny. And then, you know, just like there was a lot going on and I get that. And that's where it's like, I will feel a little bad for these rich people because they're trying to figure out stuff they probably should have figured out a long time ago, but with this intense spotlight on them that wants them to fail. Because again, it's like, even if they fail with Spotify, like they aren't going broke. Megan and Harry will not go broke. They're going to be fine, They will not be, yeah, like exactly. We do not need to worry for them and their finances. (laughs) Like they're good. I would also just add that this isn't just a rich person's problem. This is anybody who grew up in the family business, living with your employers, working for your family. I mean, the lines are so blurred for anybody who is, you know, in a family-owned operation. And this is what you've been born and bred to do your entire life. This isn't me personally. My mom worked retail growing when I was growing up. And, you know, I, I don't come from this world that we own a family business or anything along those yeah, lines. No. But but if yeah. you do, and if this family business has been going for 1,000 years, it's hard to even fathom what your other options are or if you should have other options or if you could have other options and so you know again not just rich people hashtag not just rich people but the (laughs) you know that whole family business thing and when the family business is that intertwined with your personal life it must be hard that's so true 
I feel like too with Harry, when so much of the family business, your public persona is a huge part of it. Like I think yeah. people forget Harry was the second most popular royal other than the Queen, and oftentimes he would actually beat her in polls. Yes. They yeah. lost yep. their star player. Huge deal. And he brought the first woman of color with him and then took her with him. Huge yeah. deal. Yeah. Especially in a post actually... black lives. Oh, I'm sorry, go. No, I was going to say, actually, that is the perfect transition into our next topic, just kind of how the royal family is existing and and trying to find their footing without these other, you know, punching bags or popular figures in the family. And I thought we could briefly, just because I know we are, we, I'm like, I could talk to Kristen all day, but I'm like, she's got <laughs> stuff to do. She's on every podcast, okay? She's got them lined up. She's on Pod Save America in an hour. Like, she's on everything. I'm just kidding. So let's. But let's so let's talk briefly about the Prince and Princess of Wales and the pivot that they have made or or trying to make since becoming the Prince and Princess of Wales in terms of engagements, in terms of fashion. Can we guys, can we please can we can we please talk about that sexist Diana polka dot article? Can we do it? Yes, let's oh please my God, do this. Yes. Please, yes. I, I, yes. I have been waiting for this. Let me read the headline for you. This is from the Daily Mail. Liz Jones. Why must we always compare Kate to Diana? Endlessly hawking back isn't unimaginative. It's sexist, says the outlet that continually harkens back to Princess Diana. Here are my favorite quotes. Just really quickly throwing it out there. Please. Um, Oh, because there are so many just like delightful little tidbits that, <laughs> I mean, hard to know where to start. But my favorite is this idea. First of all, this woman decides to call Princess Diana not, not a fashion icon, but <gasps> Catherine is. Excuse me. What? <laughs> my like... black sheep sweater begs to differ, Liz. I, mine too. And okay, um... so so... And also, but like, um, you th- you think Kate is just cosplaying hard, like she's an extra and pretty woman for funsies? <laughs> but but Catherine is a style icon. That's the funniest part. Diana isn't in this article. Yeah. She has no style. But Catherine is. But Catherine is wearing, like, Diana cosplay. So Liz, Down to the footwear. Every uh, single thing. Down to the footwear. Yes. She's wearing brands that said that Diana was the inspiration behind them even making the brand. And like to say that she wasn't, who's, I know I'm going to say this brand's name wrong. It's Jacquees. I think that's the name. They made the tiny bags that were super big a couple years ago, like those tiny little cute bags. But anyways, huge brand. They just had their collection entirely dedicated to Diana, inspired by her. They had the three pearl neck strands. They had entire mood boards off of what their clothes were based off of. And it's just all Diana. To say she is not a fashion icon when she is literally inspiring the couture collections. Come on. And also when we can point to so many looks Still today, she she has been dead since 1997, <laughs> and we can all name multiple looks just off the tops of our heads. The dress that she danced with Travolta in, her revenge dress, yes. that black sheep sweater. We can all name so many items. How many items can we name of Kate's? Yeah. Here's my favorite part, dress. though. <laughs> so Diana isn't a, sty- a style icon. Catherine is. 
quote, not Diana's fault as she came of age in the 80s. But then why is Kate dressing like it's very the excuse the excuse for how Catherine sometimes dresses like a little bit like Diana, but like not like Diana at all. Um, because oh, the, the royals never think about um, what they're conveying with their dressing. That's not a thing, obviously. <laughs> I but love this. Her, this her excuse, her excuse is that there's only so much couture to go around. Oh, so, come like, on. That's I that is the re- stop. This is the best article. This is the best article that's ever existed. I am sorry. It just <laughs> and it's a, also a very great way how females who would never identify as feminists suddenly want to talk about um, sexism and stuff when it suits them, but they're doing it in the completely wrong way. Like this is such a toxic way to do the don't pit women against one another. We've seen that with Megan and Kate. It's like, no, you don't want me to pit women against one another. You don't want me to talk about the intricacies here and how this white woman is benefiting from white feminism. You know what I mean? And it's like, Kate is choosing to use her mother-in-law's inspo, which is understandable, but the cosplay isn't. And I think what's really interesting about that is because when Kate was announced as Princess of Wales, they actually said the new Princess of Wales appreciates the history associated with this role, but will understandably want to look to the future as she creates her own path. Now, here we are. That was what, let me, that was 2022. So her first major royal events, official events, it was Diana across the board, except for the ascot. That is telling me that while you want to make your own path, you still aesthetically want to associate yourself with Diana, you know? And I think there's a couple things going on here. I also think they don't want to be affiliated with Charles and Camilla too much because they're so disliked. And again, we have the rise of Diana always happening. And then of course there's this project that William is announcing, you know, that is directly tied to his mother's legacy and him competing, um, completing it. And I also think this has to do too with a little bit of the brothers having this kind of back and forth about who gets to continue Diana's legacy which is so key for both of them right now, but I think especially for William in the future of the monarchy. And it's just like this Alessandra Rich woman said, she said the reason why Diana inspired her and others is because she likes polite rebels. And I think that is just such an oxymoron to call a rebel polite because that's, but whatever. But I think that's what the monarchy wants though. They like those oxymorons. I want to be a rebel, but I'm going to be a polite and quiet rebel. That's what Kate's going to be for you. So she's going to wear Diana's stuff. I don't think she's going to be a rebel in the slightest in any way. And she's yet to show any rebellion. No, I think she wants to seem like she's going to be a rebellion. And I think if it's going to be seem like it, it's going to be against Camila and Charles because she's allowed to be anti them. She's allowed to be the opposite of them or she's allowed to be the opposite of Megan. I I think, it, again, the, the rewriting of how Diana was seen at the time versus how she was seen after her death is yeah. is not surprising but still just astounding um i thought so the the last quote that i really love from this is catherine is nothing like diana she exudes sunny optimism stability confidence we used to fear for diana why did you fear for her that's part of your creation but also i'm wondering is is there an attempt or is there a desire by kate's team to somehow kind of remove her from diana because of some of those maybe more you know kind of I don't want to say unstable, but do you know what I mean? Just some of the unpredictability of the Princess of Wales. Because I, I, it seems like we we do have like some more articles that are trying to separate Kate and Diana. And I wonder if that's kind of an intentional PR move. 
I think this is something Kate's team does a lot, though. They have her do something and then they victimize her for it. It was like the Kate Cries story. This happened, mm-hmm. but the moment the drama starts getting kicked up, we're pulling her from it. Actually, this isn't about Kate. This all just happened because Kate's upset, but it's really about how William and Harry can't get along because Megan is the issue. They love to pull Kate out the moment people start kind of having negative conversations around her because people are kind of like, this is a little too much Diana. And the moment that conversation starts happening, we get these articles. Actually, no, she wasn't dressing like Diana. She's just dressing like herself. And you guys want to think of Diana. That's not her problem. You know, it's just, they do it a lot. They do it a lot, I feel like. What do you think, Kristen? Um, I think that, as you have said, both of you on your podcast in prior episodes, that we know almost nothing about Kate. She rarely opens her mouth. She is quiet most of the time. She wears clothes that, from the time she married into this family in her late 20s, she was dressing like she was in her 50s. And so I I think that she has set herself up, or her PR team has set her up, to be the least offensive mannequin they can make her. Mm. Um, And that her storyline is really, isn't she elegant? And not, isn't she smart? Not, isn't she charismatic? Not, isn't she compassionate? Um, She's essentially a clothes horse. And in a lot of ways, I think what they're trying to do is make her more of a Queen Elizabeth than a Diana. Somebody who... Yes, I totally agree. ...is just a stable presence who doesn't ruffle any feathers and doesn't do anything at all. If... If I had my druthers, if I was in charge of how I reworked the image of William and Kate at this point, I would have Kate be more interesting. I would have her do very, very subtle things in the beginning and work her way up maybe to maybe be seen as somebody who is, you know, making some ripples, not waves, just some ripples. Like, let's say, for example, she started dressing in black designers instead of the same white lady designers she wears over and over and over and over again. Like, I mean, how much more Jenny Packham can we see her in? Um, and and I think that would make waves. Let's say she started dressing in like Carly Kushney, she, who is dressed, you know, Jennifer Lopez and Selena Gomez and Ashley Graham. You know, how amazing would that be if she started just, I, I know that's not even a huge step to wear black designers but how amazing would it be if she did that um how great would it be if she actually spoke up about something that is not just about motherhood or children you know motherhood and children it just I, i know both of you love your children so much but i'm sure both of you as women want to be seen not just as mothers and to have causes you care about that are not just that's about why your kids. we have this podcast yes <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> and, and i would love to see kate lean into that also and say like i'm not just a mom and i don't just care about my own kids i actually care about much you know uh bigger issues that go beyond that part of my identity and I, I think that would be something that would be beautiful to see, too. Yeah, and speaking of that, the the person that's really trying to expand and not look work shy is, is William recently with his homelessness um, initiative, which when it first came out had understandable criticism. You're going to solve this problem in five years by having houses. Housing is not the end-all, be-all of this problem. That's one part of it, but there are structural issues to actually solving homelessness. And it seems like in the past couple of days, 
his team or someone has noticed that and they they have tried to pivot into we are bringing in all of these voices and we are you know williams working with people on different skills that one could need out in the real world and so it seems like they are trying to maybe kind of course correct and some of the some of the things that maybe felt a little tone deaf when it first came out so i wonder Kristen, like what are your thoughts on this development and and will William really what I want to know is will William solve homelessness in five years <laughs> <laughs> that plus the peace in the Middle East he's going to do it all he's no I mean obviously not and it still just seems it, it doesn't pass the smell test to me when I think about no. this guy him his dad they are worth billions of dollars and chose not to pay inheritance tax. Maybe if they would have paid inheritance tax, that would have helped larger government systems that are in place to deal with, to prevent, to work on homelessness as an issue on a larger structural level, rather than just, I am one person who is trying to be a hero here. And there's nothing wrong with trying to be a hero. I would love to be a hero. Wouldn't we all love to be a hero? But the best Mm -hmm. way to be a hero is to work with people who are smarter than you and to look at the big picture. And yeah. it, it, it's just like, I'm going to solve world hunger by making sandwiches for that one guy who lives in a tent in the park is not going to solve world hunger. That's just not going to do it. And I kind of feel that's what Prince William is doing. And he needs to look at the bigger picture. He has to look at structural inequality on a larger level as it relates to what the monarchy is. And a lot of people are going to be like me and ask these questions. How did you end up living in multiple castles? How did how did you get the money for that? Why is it that there are people all over the Commonwealth who are sleeping in boxes or on the beach who don't have houses How did you end up with this enormous wealth? How much was stolen? How much was built on the backs of serfs or enslaved people? Let's talk about the transatlantic slave trade and the role that your family played in funding that. Let's Let's talk talk about about all your stolen goods that are in your castles and your museums. Where did those come from? And so when we want to talk about structural inequalities, it's not going to be fixed because you're building some houses, Will. It's not. And I appreciate what you're trying to do here, but you can't do those things without talking about what caused all those issues in the first place. So well said. And I think that's important, too, because like saying like what caused it. And it's like, I think people forget, too, that the royals like Charles and William, they um, not only are they land owners, but they are your landlords. Their landlords, yes. landlords yes. <laughs> are an issue. Okay. Charles has had many complaints in the past from, you know, his rentees about how he handi- handles things. Landowners, and I'm also seeing housing associations. Those are also a really big issue for the UK right now because oftentimes, Greenfall Towers, they low income, they have these huge buildings built, the worst type of material is used because it's the cheapest material, they rarely get the fixes, people are living with rats, mold and cockroaches, you know, and these are people living in London, okay, these are people living in Britain in his backyard, I mean, again, Greenfall Towers is literally the backyard of Kensington Palace. And the thing with Grenfell, which was, you know, two miles from Kensington Palace, is they had these electrical issues, literally, you know, appliances blowing up. And instead of actually fixing the structural issue, they would give people new appliances, which, again, does not 
actually help the big issue and then eventual fire that happened, which is kind of a perfect metaphor for Prince William's mm-hmm. kind of quick fix. I'll I'll give houses yes. and land and it's not actually really looking at structurally what's happening here. And I also think there's some amount of of hubris, um, ego and thinking that you are the person to solve this and, and almost taking credit for bringing people together that have already been working on this initiative. You know what I mean? Like, why can't we just give Mm -hmm. money to them because there's a bigger PR move? Yes, exactly. And I think like, okay, first off the startup. And he said, this was just like the startup funds, but still 3 million. You've got six properties. You're doing this. You're doing 500 K each. That's it. You just got $22 billion being a part of the duchy and 3 million is all you could do, which is coming from your foundation. It is still not clear if any duchy money will be used for this or land. Mind you, in his Sunday Times article, though, he did have a quote when he sat down for the interview. She asked, so there are no duchy plans yet for affordable housing. A pause. There is, says William. Absolutely. Social housing. You'll see when it's ready. I'm no policy expert, but I wish, but I push it where I can. Which again, is where we get into this little thing with William. He loves to like go in and out of the policy talk. He'll be like, government needs to do more. Charities need to do more, which really pisses me off. Do not put charities with the government and needing to do more for this. you know. And then he's like, oh, but I can't talk about government policy. That's not my thing. And then he's like, oh, wait, but I kind of push it where I can. But no, I'm not in charge of government policy. And I don't like that, especially when you're using terms like systemic change. Because when it comes to things like homelessness, you cannot have systemic change without government policy. There's just absolutely no way. And it's such a red flag to me that so much of the conversation around this project is leaving out government policy and putting the focus on community and community solving this. Because even the poll they put out was like society, like the poll people think that society could do more to help homelessness. And that's like great and all. And if he was saying, hey, that means you guys should pay more attention to the people you're electing in office and making sure that they will vote for policies that, you know, very much Thatcher economics. It's Ronald Reagan economics, the government, we want small government, but then we want all of the charities and the churches and the regular poor folks who are just living amongst amongst us to pick up the slack for the government. Yes, exactly. And the government, like, because I think it's always important to look at the political background when we have these really big projects announced. And some of the research I was looking at was for one, it sounds like the Labor Party on their next big election has a real chance of taking over. And I find that interesting because I can't help, mind you, I think this is a totally Tory approved program because again, I think it's a really great way to take the attention off of them as the government and what they have done to just completely, you know, take away and cut so much funding from these people and the programs that were helping cut down homelessness. And even when he just, you know, talks about what inspired him, which was like the Finland program, everyone in, or no, housing first. And then he also has talked about UK's COVID program, everyone in. And again, both of the key success to both of those programs was government support. It's like Finland's program continues on and continues to be so successful because it's a government program. They are pumping money into it. They're literally paying the social workers that stay in these apartments and the social housing to help them. Just all of these things that are going into it is amazing and it's government funded. And William has none of that. But he's saying he's going to do something like what they're doing in five years. And I'm just like, it makes no sense. It, it makes really no sense. To, it really goes back to what is the function of a monarchy? You know what I mean? You're not supposed to be political, but at the same token, 
this situation really shows, well, if you can't be political and make that kind of change and have that kind mm-hmm. of influence, then what is this all for? Like, it almost seems yeah. like, you know, when like, you know, when you're taught, like your toddler, like doesn't, when you like make up an award for your toddler or something <laughs> yes. and you're like, you won the blah, 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 because you're like, we don't really know what to do with you. But like, yeah, like no, you fake... t- you're totally a part of this. Yeah. Like the fake military medals they give Edward, you know, <laughs> it's just like, we're just making things up along the way. <laughs> and... Really weird, actually. Kristen, do you have any yeah. final thoughts on this before we, before we end things? I just think that the, I, <laughs> oh my God, I have so many, I, I have so many final thoughts on this, but I just think William and Kate, as far as what is the next step for them and their image, they need to go bigger. They need to go bolder. Mm-hmm. They need to talk about things that are uncomfortable. Yes. Yeah. And that includes racism and that includes bigger structural issues. It can't just be, I'm going to swoop in and try to rescue people for the next five years. Mm-hmm. It can't be, you know, just wearing a polka dot dress in Kate's <laughs> case. It needs to be something bigger. And I think that is going to renew interest with younger generations that is going to make them look more relevant. Yeah. Uh, it's going to be better for their PR image. So take bolder stuff. Yeah. What about stripes? What about stripes for Kate? <laughs> <laughs> I'm just trying to look. No, we want those for Andrew, if you know what I mean. She did it. She did it. Mic drop. <laughs> that would be Kristen. that iconic fashion moment for Wales. <laughs> Andrew in his stripes. We well, love there to is, see it. Yes. And honestly, throw Charles in there too. There is no better place to end this, I think. Now that we are jailing people, I think this is the perfect opportunity to wrap things up. I, Kristen, you are a delight. You are fantastic. Oh my Thank gosh. you so you much. Are, they say don't meet your heroes, meet your heroes. Or at least meet Kristen. Yeah, okay? that was amazing. I got I to know. meet two of mine today, so it all worked Stop out it. great. Kristen. I'm blushing. <laughs> I, I am. Yeah, I this has been so delightful. You are such yes. a treasure. You have so much to offer. Where can the people find you, your podcast? Just pitch it all. Let them know. mention it all my podcast (laughs) my podcast that we've already mentioned on the show is called the daily fail and the daily fail is available wherever you get your favorite podcasts if you like laughing at the tabloids maybe punching up which we try to do in every episode speak to who really has power Mm -hmm. and who's creating the narrative but you know with lots of laughter just to make clear it's not like a monologue or a lecture. My friend Maura and I, who host the show, we we laugh a lot in every episode. So that's called The Daily Fail. That's available wherever you get your podcasts. And then also, if you just want to learn more about me, my website is kristenmeinzer.com. And everything you need to know is right there, kristenmeinzer.com. Guys, the website awesome. is very impressive. Let's just say you can spend, <laughs> you will spend a couple weeks just trying to peruse everything that Kristen has been on and everything is absolutely amazing. I am, listen, I am officially a stan. Call me a stan, call me bias. <laughs> this is who I am. This is where I am. Raise and her Alex, up. <laughs> please, Alex, where can people find us, our, our little podcast here? You can find us on Spotify, Apple, anywhere you get your podcast is Lady Audacity. The T at the end of Audacity is T E A because you know we are sipping. We are I love sipping. when you do this. I meant I meant the social media channels, but I oh. love when you. <laughs> I love when you pitch where to find the podcast. It's my favorite I like thing. They probably no, don't they? No, I, <laughs> 
So Instagram, Lady Audacity, Instagram, Lady Audacity, and our TikTok is also at Lady Audacity. That's A-U-D-A-C-I and then T-E-A. And also you can email us at Lady Audacity, T-E-A at gmail.com. Please do that first before leaving reviews that are that are you know <laughs> that could be you know when they say this meeting could could have been an email I, you know what i mean like sometimes reviews could be an email so i'm just i'm just suggesting that politely and we like emails. we love you we love you okay until next time pinkies Thank up pinkies up bye bye Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads.